Hey, what's going on, guys? It's uh, Tuesday, May 12th, and before I start the show, I just have to apologize. I, I recorded an episode on Friday, last Friday, and I thought I released it, but I guess it just went into some sort of draft status and never actually made the rounds on the interwebs, and I didn't really realize this until like Sunday because I'm such an idiot, so I, I just held the episode till today, and... There's a lot of stuff I, I want to talk about today. There's a lot a lot going on in the news, but um, I didn't get much sleep last night, and uh, I figured I'd just roll with the, the Friday episode today, and then maybe I'll give you a, a bonus episode or something later this week, maybe tomorrow or something, a, a short little episode to make up for missing Friday's episode or today's, I don't know which day you, I technically missed because I did do an episode, but you're getting it today. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is Friday's episode. Enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later this week. Peace. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Paddling Fiction. I am your host, the purveyor of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And it's everybody's favorite day of the week, Friday, Friday afternoon. Uh, maybe you like Saturday better. Um, if you're like me, you don't have to work every other Friday. So this is this is basically like my Saturday. And, uh, you know... Still going about this whole quarantine thing. <laughs> it nothing much has really changed on that front. Even though if the you know if the weather was nicer here in Chicago, I think I would be going out a lot more. <laughs> my uh, my friends and I are definitely getting a little stir crazy. It, we're just looking at like the the forecast for basically the rest of the month is uh, you know f mid forties, maybe mid fifties, and, and sometimes raining. So, yeah, it's it's not looking great on that front. But once this weather does turn, I, I don't think any of this uh, this nonsense is going to stick with us, as I've said many times before. But we got a lot of news coming out today. There's a lot to talk about. And the uh, I guess the first thing I want to go through is the uh, what's going on in the markets and um, the economy overall. Because we've gotten a we got we got the worst jobs report in history, basically. We have twenty point five million jobs lost as unemployment record uh, unemployment rate hits a record fourteen point seven percent. But at the same time, you've got a stock market that continues to go up. We're still in this upward move from those uh, March lows 
when this whole coronavirus thing sort of came to a head. And a lot of people, I think, are confused by this. They think that this is an indication that our economy is so resilient and we're going to be able to come out of this like to like turning a, a faucet off and on, right? Like we had to turn the faucet of the economy off for the coronavirus to flatten the curve and get everything under control. And now that we've done that, we can just turn this faucet back on whenever we want to and things will be great again. And the stock market continuing to go up in the face of all this horrible economic news is just further indication of that. And it comes from a, just a fundamental misunderstanding of what's going on in the stock market. The stock market is not going up because companies are, are, are doing better, because we're being more productive because our economy is churning along nice and strong. The only thing making this stock market go up is the Federal Reserve Bank intervention in the marketplace. Okay, They are creating trillions of dollars in, in less than a month and injecting it into the stock market. That they, they have come out and said that they are, they are going to backstop this market. They are not going to let it go down. They are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that the stock market continues to go up no matter how bad the actual underlying economy is. They have started to buy high-yield corporate debt, like basically junk bonds. Okay, They have said that they will do whatever it takes. And no matter how much money they have to create out of thin air, and buy up debt in these companies, stock eventually, ETFs, they're, they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that the stock market goes up. But that does not mean that the overall economy is healthy or strong or resilient or anything. It just means that the Federal Reserve is blowing up another bubble in the stock market. That's it. And these unemployment numbers, just to put these in perspective, I mean, the we actually beat expectations i think expectations were for 21 and a half million unemployed we are missing expectations by numbers that are bigger than any other normal monthly unemployment figure like these revisions that they're making uh being off by like 450,000 when you're talking about 20 million people yeah that's almost like a rounding error but in any other month we only have like 275,000 jobs being created. So the fact that we're missing by more than like the the actual average jobs report or anything or an unemployment report or anything like that is it just goes to show you how staggering these numbers are. We just topped 25 trillion in the national debt. We spent and that's remember that's just what they're admitting to. There's all sorts of off book bullshit that they they don't include in these numbers but they increased the national debt by more than a trillion dollars in less than a month in 28 days they added a trillion dollars to the national debt there is an incredible amount of money being created out of thin air and spent and and put into uh this stock market casino and even if you're just giving it to the banks to loan out, who do the banks loan it out to? They loan it out to these big tech firms and, and these huge corporations that have the best chance of paying that money back to the banks. And what do these big corporations and these big tech firms do? Well, they, they 
they buy back their stock with it and they push their stock price higher because they're taking shares off the market. And, and this is going to continue to happen. So you could continue to see the stock market go up and the overall economy, the fundamental underlying economy, continue to degrade as this lockdown continues. And the longer this lockdown goes, like if it was just going to be a, a two-week thing like they initially told us, there is some slack in the supply chain there to recover from that. You know, people, there's a surplus that everybody operates within. It's like, okay, yeah, I have two weeks worth of this before, you know, I run into trouble. But the longer this goes on, if you think of it like a, a metal chain, the, the more links in that chain start to break off as this drags on, as, as more things have to shut down, as more plants have to shut down. There, there's a whole uh, chain of things that have to happen in the production process to bring a good to market. As more and more of those chains break down, when you get to the final uh, product, the, the final consumer good, it, it's just not going to be there. It's like if you, um, I forget, was it? It might have been Bob Murphy making this um, this analogy, where it's like if you're going to, I'm probably going to butcher this, but he was talking about like you're going to build something, right? And you get all your your um, materials that you know, you got your wood, you got your hammer, and everything like that. But the the guy making the nails, he had to shut down production. So even if you get you know three of the four things you need. To, to make that final product, if one of those things isn't there, well, you're not going to be able to do anything. And that's what's, we could see that start to happen all throughout this economy, where people start to realize that these important links in the chain of production have broken down because we've shut everything down for such an extended period of time. But yeah, nothing, none of that is going to get reflected in the stock price if we just keep creating money out of thin air and doling it out to these, uh, these companies to buy back their stock. We're actually seeing a, a net outflow in stocks as stocks continue to go higher. So people are actually pulling, more and more people are actually pulling their money out of the stock market. But for some reason, stocks keep going higher. Now, who's doing the buying? You have to ask yourself that, and the answer will always be the Fed and the these stock buybacks. And we're starting to see all of the people investing in the stock market. It's all being consolidated into a handful of companies: Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Google, Netflix. That, that accounts for the vast majority of money that's being invested right now. And everything else is, it, it's just sort of the, the sign that the bubble is getting to, uh, to an end. As more money is being pulled from smaller companies, less well-known companies, but people want to stay in the market. So they all pile into these big whales. And that, that, that also helps keep their, their stock price up. But Apple just did like an $8 billion buyback. $8 billion with a B. So even as you know, average Americans or everyday investors are pulling money out of their uh, out of the stock market, maybe they need the the cash. Maybe they need to dip into their investments because they they haven't been able to work for two months. I I don't know why. Maybe it's just out of fear. But a, as people are pulling more and more money out of the the stock market, when if you see a net outflow, you you should see stocks decline, not reach all time highs. And so there, there's something really fishy going on here. 
And I, I just want to make sure you guys are all aware of what's at play here and that don't confuse a, a rising stock market with a strong economy. Uh, that, is a, that is a fallacy because we have the, not only do we have the largest uh, unemployment numbers we've ever seen, we have the, the largest percentage of the population not working than ever before, ever before. It's more than half, I think, of the American people are out of are out of the workforce. And what that means is the way they calculate unemployment, and there's a bunch of different numbers that you could look at, but broad strokes, here's what happens, right? If you have a job, you're employed, right? Now, you could have a job and not be working as many hours as you want to work. You know, maybe you have a part-time job, so you could be underemployed. Now, if you're unemployed... You don't have a job, but you're actively searching for one for within the last two weeks, I believe it is, then you're considered part of the part of the labor force and you're unemployed. Now, if you're unemployed, but you're not actively searching for a job, if you haven't searched for a job in like a month and you're just kind of sitting around at home, well, yes, you're unemployed, but you're not included in those unemployment numbers. They just drop you out of the labor force. They say, oh, you're not participating in the labor force anymore. Now, that labor force participation rate is at all-time lows. Never been this low. So there are a ton of people who, they're yes, they've lost their job and they've given up looking. And that might be because of all these government programs that are paying people more to not work than they're getting paid if they were to work. So there's a lot of perverse incentives. And the idea that we're just going to turn this uh, faucet back on and all these people are going to go back to work. No, no, there's a lot, there's a lot of headwinds there. For one thing, they're, if they're making more not working, they're not going to go right back to work. They're going to stay unemployed until those benefits run out. And there is no sign that the government is going to uh, curb those benefits anytime soon. They keep I keep seeing headlines and proposals for even bigger, more generous uh, benefits packages. I just saw one that the Democrats are pushing one for $2,000 a month is what they want, is what they're proposing to pay Americans not to work. So until they stop doing that, you're going to have a lot of people that are not going to go back to work. I mean, why would they? Who wants to go to work for less money than they can make not working? Or as I've talked about before, even if they're making the same amount, there's still a lot of uh, benefits to not working. So you have to be making substantially more to actually go to work, to go through the drudgery of working, especially one of these menial task job type, type of things, the service sector jobs, these low-paying wage earners that, that don't particularly have a passion for that job or anything. They're just doing that because it's a job. Maybe they're working at a restaurant or something while they're pursuing some other interest of theirs, while they're really pursuing their dreams. A lot of people do that. So why are you going to go do that if you can make just as much or even more in some cases by not working? And then you have all of your free time to pursue whatever it, whatever it is that you are trying to actually do with your life. And then you have to look at what this post-coronavirus world is going to look like. And I, ugh, God, I hate saying that. But it's not looking good, especially not for restaurants, because they're, they're being told that they are, they're going to have to operate at like 25% capacity or 50% capacity. Look, that is impossible. 
Okay, restaurants already were making razor thin margins. They are not going to be able to stay in business only using 50% of their tables or 25% of their tables. It's not going to work. So most of them won't reopen. They probably won't even bother. And even if they do, how are they going to get anybody to come work for them if the government's paying everybody to stay home? So even if they do open, prices for the average American are going to skyrocket to patronize some of these places. And why are they going to want to go there? I mean, who wants to go to a restaurant where you have to sit with a mask on? You know, you can't socialize with anybody at the bar anymore. You have to wait to, you can only go in and like sit and talk to the people that you go in with. And they're going to keep a line outside until there's a spot at the bar for you. And it, this just looks like a miserable way to go through life. And I don't want to rehash all the other, you know, complaints I've had about this on prior episodes. Feel free to go back and, and listen to those. It's not looking good economically. Let's let's uh, let's go ahead and and leave it at that. The other thing I wanted to talk about today, because I've there, there's been some developments in this story since I last talked about it. It was maybe a week ago when I first touched on the topic of Joe Biden and Tara Reid, and I did send out uh, something in our little weekly newsletter that uh, that I do for the subscribers, and if you're not. Uh, subscribed to the the newsletter, you should go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and go ahead and do that if you want a little more uh, free content from me. And basically what's what's been happening since that last episode that I did, which is we, we broke down the, the interview that Joe Biden did with Mika Brzezinski and just sort of how, how pathetic a, an attempt it was at um, clearing his name. But what's been going on since then because the hypocrisy here has just been so obvious to everybody that even leftists who are the most hypocritical people on the face of the earth can't help but try to square that circle, so to speak. They, they can't help but try to address it in a way that meets the criticism that, well, you were saying, you know, we have to believe all women and now you're not believing Tara Reid, so you're a hypocrite. Right. And so now we're seeing more and more people come out with just the dumbest response to that. Well, let me back up for a second, because the, the most recent development is that they found a 1996 court filing that corroborates Biden's accuser's story that she was harassed. So a court declaration from 1996 corroborates the former Biden staffer Tara Reid's claim that she was sexually harassed while working for him in 1993. This is according to the Sacramento Bee. The filing, made by Reid's ex-husband, Theodore Dronin, while contesting a restraining order she filed against him days after he filed for divorce, reveals Reid told him about a problem she was having at work regarding sexual harassment in U.S. Senator Joe Biden's office. It appears to be the only written record that has surfaced from the time that substantiates Reed share, shared her account in the recent years following the alleged incident. Though a former neighbor came forward last week about similar conversations she had had with Reed in 1995. In the filing dated March 25, 1996, Dronin testified that he met Reed in the spring of 93 while the two worked for separate members of Congress in Washington, D.C. 
Dronin wrote that Reed told him she eventually struck a deal with the chief of staff of the senator's office and left her position. It was obvious that this event had a very traumatic effect on Reed and that she is still sensitive and affected by it today, Dronin wrote. So now we officially have more evidence, if, if you can call it that, um, a more credible, a more credible claim of wrongdoing with this Tara Reed thing than we did with the whole Kavanaugh thing that that sparked all this Me Too, believe all women nonsense, right? I mean, not only do we have, uh, was it more recent, and we know that Tara Reed actually was in contact with Joe Biden and she actually worked for him. If you think back to the whole Kavanaugh thing, we didn't even know for a fact that Kavanaugh and Blasey Ford had actually ever met. That was in dispute. So now we have uh, the fact that she this uh, complaint was filed at the time that this happened. So it's not like she's just totally making this up just because Biden is running for president. Now, she could, of course, have made up the complaint back then. Back then, it could have been a lie, just like it could be a lie now. So whether you believe that the complaint she made in, in the 90s was true, I suppose that's up to you. But they actually have the complaint on file somewhere. And then the complaint is actually worse <laughs> than what, uh, what she's alleging is worse than what they alleged Kavanaugh did, right? And I want you to remember what these people were saying about Kavanaugh at the time. There was nothing that he could have he could have done to atone for what he was being accused of. It doesn't matter what he had done since he was 17, because Kavanaugh was a teenager at the time. His whole life of accomplishments meant nothing, no matter how many good things he had done since then, since that alleged incident mattered. You know, none of it made any difference. Because what he did at 17 was so bad, according to them, that there was basically no place for people like him in society, and he should never work again. That's essentially what was being said about uh, Justice Kavanaugh while these hearings were going on, because he uh, allegedly, when they were 17, threw himself on top of this girl and, and tried to force himself on her. And it never really got to the point that, that this Tara Reid is claiming where he actually penetrated her or anything like that. He just uh, was forceful with her and it was giving the impression that maybe that was going to come next or something like that. So now you've got these same people who said there's no place in society and Kavanaugh is irredeemable as a person for what, something he did at 17. Now these people are coming out and they're staring this hypocrisy right in the face because they did this whole thing, this believe all women, we believe Blasey Ford, regardless of any, there was never a shred of evidence to substantiate her story. There was nothing. There was nothing there. It was the flimsiest thing you've ever seen, but we have to believe her no matter what. And so now they're, they're trying to find a way that they can justify believing Blasey Ford and not believing Tara Reid and not sounding like the biggest hypocrites in the world. And it seems like their solution to this, their way of getting around supposedly being hypocritical, is that they're going to say, and they have said this, several women have said this, that we believe you, Tara Reid. We hear you and we believe you, but we're still going to support Joe Biden. 
We support him because the stakes of this election are too high. Okay. This is what they're telling us that, yes, you know, maybe he raped this girl. And uh, well, not even maybe they're saying that we believe that he violated this girl. But because Joe Biden is running against Donald Trump and this is the most important election ever, we just we don't care that he did this to you. We're willing to overlook it. I mean, Trump derangement syndrome is really something. It never ceases to amaze me. And look, this doesn't make it any less hypocritical. That's the hilarious part to me. It's still very hypocritical. In fact, it's worse. It's actually worse to believe Biden violated this woman and you're still going to support a literal rapist just to win an election when that's not even what Kavanaugh was being accused of and you wanted him excommunicated from society. I mean, what Biden is being accused of and what you've said that you believe, you believe that what he's being accused of, he actually did, was so much worse than what Kavanaugh was being accused of, and yet you were prepared to crucify that guy. It's so much worse on a number of levels. Not only did he penetrate her, but he was a grown-ass man when he did it. And he was sober, sober as a judge. Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh was a teenager. He was 17 years old. He was drunk at a party, and the claim was never that he penetrated her in any way. He was young. He was inebriated. His judgment was impaired. Younger people also don't know how to control themselves as well as adults do. And the fact that he was uh, drinking, only, it was only exacerbated because there was alcohol involved. I mean, Biden was none of those things. He was an accomplished adult in a position of power who had already run for president by 1993. I mean, this is, according to the Me Too moment, this is like a first ballot Hall of Fame rapist behavior. He's old, rich, powerful, white man, abusing his position of authority. I mean, he was a senator in the United States government. That's like the highest honor you can have in our statist society, is it not? I mean, he worked for government. And he's violating the sanctity of a woman's body. A woman who worked for him. One of his staffers. I mean, this checks every single box on the Me Too checklist. Me Too moment checklist. And they're just like, yeah, 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 I don't care. I don't care because Trump. (laughs) We don't care that he did this because orange man bad. It really is unbelievable. I will never cease being amazed at how Trump can just get people to totally reveal themselves for who they really are. This just proves that the whole Me Too thing was complete bullshit. This isn't about women or protecting women. This is clearly about harnessing political power. And how despicable are all these people? I mean, if you don't care about this, If you're willing to overlook this rape, I guess rape isn't that bad of a thing, right? I mean, if you're okay with it, how bad could it be? Or is it that rape is only a bad thing if you disagree with their political leanings, if they're a Republican, or if you're a Republican and they're a Democrat? We can't have a 
a justice, a Supreme Court justice, that's a, a rapist on the on the Supreme Court. But it's fine to have the president of the United States being a rapist as long as he's on our political team. I mean, this is just worse. This is this makes you idiots more hypocritical than just not believing all women. If you believe her, if you honestly believe her, and you believe she was raped, and you still support Joe Biden, you're even more hypocritical and more despicable than before. And I mean, how far can we push this? How, how many women can Joe Biden rape before you're no longer justified in voting for him? How much damage can he do to society before you know that takes him out of the, the running for president? Could he kill someone? Could he rape and kill women? Would that be okay? What's your guiding principle here? And see, this just goes to show you why principles are important, why I harp on being principled all the time. These women, they should be demanding that Joe Biden step down and vote for someone who has respect for women and their bodies, if that's what their principles demand. The funny thing is that this is the perfect opportunity to get rid of this senile old bag anyway. Why are you still supporting him? He's a disaster. He's a train wreck. This has to be the dumbest reason to abandon your principles I've ever seen. Because Joe Biden is your only hope? I mean, he could lose this thing anyway. And, and now you've just let everyone know that you're okay with rape as long as it gets your party into power. Wow. Wow. I mean, that is really something. I mean, what a stupid hill to die on. And I can't think of a less worthy candidate to try and make this argument for than Joe Biden. I mean, this guy, he cannot get through a complete sentence. He had an arranged, a prearranged interview, the, the one I covered uh, uh, last week, a prearranged interview where he knew what the topic was, he knew what the questions were going to be, they are going to ask him about this Tara Reid thing, and he still didn't really have an answer for it. Now, I don't know if it's bad. I, I can't imagine that his staff is not preparing him to field these questions. I think he's being prepared, and he just forgets it like two seconds later. And he's got no answers. He's got nothing. He, he, he is a disaster. Let this man go. Find another candidate. Ugh, it, it really is something. The other, there's been a, a couple other somewhat disturbing stories that have been developing in in light of all of this uh, lockdown stuff. And one actual, uh, one good story, or at least one that had a, a happy ending with this uh, jailed salon owner. This was, uh, this was in Texas. Yeah, I believe it was in Dallas, Texas. Thousands donated to GoFundMe campaign for jailed salon owner who stood up to judge in a viral video. Now, Texas governor... Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton expressed their opposition to Luther's imprisonment and have called for her immediate release. So basically what's happened is this salon owner in, in Texas was... Texas, I think, was slating some sort of uh, phased reopening or something that was going to start, I think, today, on the 8th, maybe, around then. And she opened up a week or two early. And she refused to close down her shop. So she defied the governor's orders and opened up her, her salon, and she was arrested. She was shut down, she was arrested, and she was brought before a judge who 
was was a real prick about the whole thing. You can go watch the video. But he basically he was like, "Yeah, you know, you can avoid jail time if you apologize. If you apologize and admit that you were wrong or something like that, uh, I won't throw you in prison." And she refused to do that. She doesn't think she was doing anything wrong. She's not going to apologize for opening her business and trying to feed her kids. So she refused to apologize, and the judge sentenced her to a week in prison and a $7,000 fine. And this this video went viral. Somebody set up a GoFundMe campaign for her, and I think the, the last I checked, she got $500,000 out of this. So uh, good for her, and good for everybody that donated to that. This is the, the kind of peaceful resistance that we need. And it looks like the attorney general and the governor have come out and called for her immediate release. She's, I think she's been released since, since then. I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of her getting released. And she made a, a nice chunk of change in the process. So uh, great peaceful resistance to government authoritarianism right there. And um, it just goes to show you that, that people are compassionate people gave in a time of when half the american people are out of work nobody has a job nobody has any money coming in nobody has a a very bright future ahead of them people donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to this woman's cause to help get her business back to help get her out of prison and I mean, this is this is the stuff that we talk about. This is the stuff that libertarians talk about. And this is the, the type of behavior that we point to when we're criticized for not supporting some sort of government policy. And we say, oh, you know, well, people people are, are charitable. People take care of other people. Well, here's a perfect example. This lady got a $7,000 fine and seven days in prison for the, the, the crime of opening her business up and trying to serve people. And thousands of people came to her aid. So I hope we can see more of this. I saw there was another disturbing one (laughs) where uh, a business owner... Is this in Texas again? Yes, it was. It was in Texas. A Texas bar owner tried to open up his establishment. And they brought in the SWAT team. They brought a SWAT team in to shut this guy down. And, oof, I mean, it is... They all got arrested. It just... That is the authoritarian nature of the government that we fear, that they will abuse this power that we've given them. I mean, this was so unnecessary. It was such an unnecessary use of force that it really, it should really make you question why we're giving so much authority to these. Why, why do we have all these SWAT teams? Why have, do we have this militarized police force? And maybe it's not a good idea to be giving them all of this power and authority over us. And then even some people want to take it farther and hand over our guns. I mean, if this is the way they they treat you while you're armed, imagine how they're going to treat you when you're unarmed. The only buffer we have right now is that one check keeping these guys at bay. And the second you give that up, I mean, look out. Look out. Not like you could... You know, they're going to come at you with a, a SWAT tank, basically, and uh, a bunch of guys in, in full he- full gear, head to toe. Yeah, you might, you you know, it's, it's going to be a big fight. You're going to have a big fight on your hands, but they'll be more reluctant to do that if they start seeing a lot more uh, peaceful resistance and, and you at least have the threat of force out there. So 
Um, that was a disturbing development. I don't know what's happening with that case. I haven't I haven't seen anything, any updates on that. That might have just been yesterday. This GoFundMe thing's been going on for a, a little while now. But the biggest story going on right now, other than all the coronavirus stuff, and it's the lead story on Drudge today, is this murder of Ahmad Arbery. And this is, they've, they've just arrested this father and son for killing an, an unarmed guy, unarmed black guy, two white guys kill an unarmed black guy by the name of Ahmoud or Ahmad Arbery. And this was in Georgia. And this actually happened back in February. And now there's people protesting. They're getting ready to uh, riot. They're, they're, all, uh, they're all up in arms because it, it took so long for the arrest of these two guys. There's a lot going on here. There's a video that has surfaced showing a part of this altercation and the, and the part where the, this guy is shot and killed. There's the, one of the guys is a retired police officer, a detective, I think. And so he has a lot of connections to the, the district attorney and all these uh, prosecutors had to recuse themselves over the last couple of months because of connections to him. I mean, yeah, it took probably two, a little over two months for them to arrest these two guys. You also have to put this in perspective, right? Because not only do you have complications with the prosecutors having to, you, I think you had two different ones who had to recuse themselves. So that, you know, throws a wrench in the works. But you also have the entire country shut down because of the coronavirus. So I, I think it's a little unreasonable to expect justice to, to, to be up to uh, our, our normal standards or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't be surprised if things take a little longer given the current circumstances. I'm sure that the fact that this guy is a former police officer allowed them allowed him all sorts of um, leeway, and he got to pull a bunch of strings, and that's why he wasn't arrested. No doubt, uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that that's that's definitely at play here. And, and the only reason that they got arrested now is because this video surfaced. Maybe. You know, it's it's definitely a possibility, and I'm glad that we have more uh, more of these videos coming out so that we can see exactly what's going on here. But there's going to be a lot of problems with this with this case, and it's still fairly early on. You know, I I don't know that much about this. I've read a few articles and I've watched the video several times. There's a couple of things that bother me when, when it comes to these racially motivated issues. And a lot of it has to do with the the media coverage of it. The first headline I saw was something to the effect of oh, two white supremacists hunt down and ambush unarmed black guy jogging down the street. It, like, like this guy was jogging down the street and then these guys come out of the bushes and just shoot him because they've been hunting him all day and, and he was black and, and they're white. And so obviously they're white supremacists. Okay, now I don't even need to read the article here. I don't need to look at the video of what we have to know that this narrative is complete bullshit right off the bat. I, I just know it. I know it because they they do this every time. This is exactly what they did with the hands up, don't shoot thing. This is what they did with Trayvon Martin. This is what they do every time. A, a black person gets shot by a white person. Now, that doesn't mean that what, what happened here 
isn't tragic and wrong and that these these white guys are are in the wrong here and should be punished to the full extent of the law. What it means is the media is just the the most corrupt, despicable conglomerate of, of news organizations. And all of these people that jump on this narrative to to push their agenda, whether it's their political agenda or or just their worldview that America is chalked full of white supremacists that are that are going around hunting black people every day. And, oh, look, now we have video evidence of it. And this just proves everything that we've been saying all these years. What's crazy. And this is exactly like what. uh What's his name tried to do with that whole he got accosted by Trump supporters and they put a noose around his neck in the dead of winter in Chicago. I mean, this is how people see the world, this distorted worldview that that makes something like this believable. You have to see what they're doing here. This is propaganda. Now, look, uh, we we don't have everything. We just have this like 30 second clip, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. And, and then we have this story that, well, this this kid was just out for a jog and these guys hunted him down and killed him for no reason. The odds of that being the actual truth and not a, a complete distortion of what actually happened here are, are slim to none. They are not reporting this story accurately. And I know that just based on the little evidence that we have. And I will bet you dollars to donuts that just like every other one of these instances, the more information that comes out, the more that narrative will be destroyed. And it, it, will tur- it won't turn out that necessarily that, that, that this kid did anything wrong or that he did anything to deserve what he got. Because I don't think that even what uh, he's being accused of on the, the other side of the narrative justifies what happened to him. Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying here. All I'm saying here is that these narratives, it's ridiculous and it's destructive and it really needs to stop. I mean, if it was true, if that was the America that we live in, why every time something like this happens, why do you have to distort it? Why do you have to result to hyperbole? Why do you have to straight up lie in some instances? Hands up, don't shoot. I mean, if, if really, if, we live in such a white supremacist society. Why does it always have to get exaggerated and blown way out of proportion? If that's the true narrative, why can't you just tell the, the real story and, and let the, the facts speak for themselves? Because I'm going to break down this video, and just the video of what we have uh, disproves this narrative. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, like I said, what these guys did isn't completely wrong and unacceptable on every single level. What little we have right now if you look at it soberly, disproves this whole narrative. But it's not going to matter because the damage has already been done and you've already gotten a, a bunch of people to buy into this and believe it. And this they get this confirmation bias that, oh, yep, see, white supremacists walking down, hunting everybody, every black guy just walking down the street or just going for a jog. And, and so now this narrative is so pervasive and every every blue check mark on Twitter and all these politics, everybody comes out and they jump to this conclusion. And that becomes the story, no matter how much evidence will come out in the future to the contrary, no matter how how much will come out. I, it would have to be on the level of a Justice Smollett in order to actually have people change their minds on this. But the problem is that somebody actually died, something tragic actually happened here. This wasn't completely fake. This was a really, really bad incident. 
and, and something terrible absolutely happened here and, and people were wronged and people were wrong in doing what they did. The, the problem is it has to be that, well, they're white supremacists and they were hunting them down because they hate black people. And that's the only explanation for this. And no matter what comes out to the contrary, that's always going to be this narrative that's going to be impossible to overcome because everybody's so already emotionally invested in this. And if you question this narrative, well, then you're a racist, too, and you're uh, you're justifying what these guys did. You know, there's never any room for complicated nuance or anything like that or proper analysis. It has to be their way or the highway. Well. You know, the people will probably call me a racist just for talking about this in this fashion. And I, I guess that's a risk that I'm willing to take. It would be easy for me to come out here and just be like, oh, he was just out for a jog. This is tragic. And, and say everything's safe that everybody else is, is perpetuating on Twitter. Uh, that would be easy. But I'm after the truth here. And I think that's why people are going to listen to this show. I mean, going for a jog. Okay, I watched the video of this. Now, he is jogging down the street. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell from the video, but it did not look like a jogging outfit to me. It looked more like uh, like reg regular shorts, like cargo shorts or something. Okay? I don't know anybody that goes for a jog in cargo shorts. When you go for a jog, you put on, like, uh, some sweatpants or some sport-type shorts, you know, like a basketball shorts or something like that and you have running shoes on. doesn't look like he has running shoes either. It looks like he just has regular everyday walking shoes on and walking short cargo-type shorts that you would wear when you're walking around a neighborhood. Now, now that doesn't mean that what he was doing was wrong in any, any sense of the matter. It just suggests that th this whole narrative, oh, he was just out for a jog, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. Now, what he was doing, I have no idea. I have no idea what he was doing. Uh, definitely nothing that deserved he be uh, killed a as a result of doing it. But out for a jog, he was not. I'm, I'm just going, based off of the clothes that he was wearing, it doesn't look like he was out for a jog. I'm sorry. I I'm not buying it. And to just assert these two guys are white supremacists automatically because they're white and they killed a and one of them killed a black guy. You're, at, you're doing the exact same thing that you accuse white supremacists of doing, uh, of other racist people doing. You're assuming that they are white supremacists because they have white skin. You are judging them by their skin color. This may come as a surprise to you, but not every single white person that shoots a black person is a white supremacist. That does not follow. And if you want people to take you seriously... Stop jumping to that narrative every time something comes close to fitting that mold. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen a shred of evidence to show that these guys are white supremacists. And maybe there are. Maybe it's out there. Maybe it'll come out. I don't know anything about these guys, really, other than the fact that they're a father and son. One used to be a cop, and they took it upon themselves to go after this guy. But just assuming that people are white supremacists, I mean, you're, you're doing the exact same thing that you're accusing people that you hate of doing the most despicable people on the face of the earth, you're doing the exact same thing. Now, from the video, all we can see is a, a black guy jogging down the street, sort of nonchalantly, and there's a car trailing him, videotaping this whole thing, and then you can see a, a pickup truck 
that's that's parked in the street, sort of blocking his path, and he's jogging towards it. the The reports are saying the the police reports and the the guys being accused of this are saying that they've got they got a description of a guy that was committing a, a string of burglaries in the neighborhood, and this guy fit the description, so they you know, found it to be their civic duty to make the citizens arrest and they armed up and they got in the car and they chased them down. I'm still unclear with how we got to the point where the video picks up. Now, what these two guys actually knew and when they knew it, like what sort of information they had, if they had, what sort of description they had, if these were armed robberies or unarmed robberies, and all of that's going to have to be, it's going to be critical to this case, in my mind, because it's all going to have to be considered to determine whether or not what these guys did could even be possibly perceived as justified under the Georgia law, because apparently you are allowed to make a citizen's arrest, and that's what these guys are claiming that they were doing. But it doesn't look to me like they have any legal footing to stand on here because I'm pretty sure you actually have to witness the crime in progress, and I don't think they actually saw this kid do anything. So I don't think they're going to be able to claim that you know making a citizen's arrest here was within their rights. Now, what you do see on this video is... The guy jogging toward the car, uh, the guy gets out of the, the truck and he's sort of standing, it looks like in the middle of the street. And the camera work is not great. It kind of, the, the guy's driving in a car, so it moves in and out. We see bits and pieces of this. But he runs around the car and then he he runs toward the guy, toward the driver who is now in the street with a shotgun. And, he, and a fight ensues between the two of them. A shot goes off as he's lunging, as, as he's running toward... The, the guy with the shotgun. So one shot goes off, and then they're fighting. They're struggling, and they kind of go off camera, and you hear another shot, and then they come back on camera, and then and you can still see them fighting, and then the third shot goes off, and then shortly after that, the, the kid falls down and dies. It's, it's pretty horrific to watch. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat anything. Like, this was, this was bad. Um, the problem is... The problem is these these calls for murder. When you get all of these people ready to protest, ready to riot, if they don't get a murder conviction here, there's a big difference between murder. So we have murder one, right, which is premeditated murder. That's like I find out that my uh, my wife is sleeping with her boss, right? And, and so I go out and I buy a gun and I, and I go to the office and I walk into her boss's office and I shoot him dead. That was a premeditated murder. My intent was to murder him. I planned the whole thing out in advance and then I executed that plan. Then you have murder two. Okay. Murder two would be, I'm, uh, you know, sitting at a bar or something and this guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, you know, uh, I, I'm your I'm your wife's boss or whatever, and I've been banging her." In a fit of rage, I pull out the gun that I have on my hip, and I shoot him dead. Now, I, I killed him. It was murder, but it was not planned in advance. Okay, it was a spur of the moment type of thing. In a fit of rage, I killed this guy. 
I didn't I didn't get up that morning and plan on killing him. It, it was just something that happened throughout the course of the day. And then you have manslaughter. And manslaughter is basically like an accidental killing where there's there's like negligence involved or, or something like that. I didn't intend to kill them. So if me and my buddy were going hunting and, you know, I, I swing quickly to my left or something to shoot an animal and I actually sh- end up shooting my buddy by mistake, that's manslaughter. Yes, I killed him, but it was not my intention to kill him. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't intend to do it. I didn't plan it out in advance, but I, but I still killed him. That, that's manslaughter, right? But then if you watch the video, okay, and, the, and their claim is that, they, you know, they were, and, you know, who knows how long they were chasing this guy before the, the video actually comes on. They're, I don't know what they were doing to him in the meantime, how, you know, if they were harassing him or if they were threatening him or whatever. Um, what we have on video is this guy running towards their car. You can hear yelling. You can't. I couldn't decipher what was being said. And then when the camera pans back over, you see this guy running towards the, the guy with the shotgun and, and a shot and the guy sh- shoots at him. All right. They, they didn't, it wasn't like they ambushed him and they started shooting him while he was just running down the street. The first shot didn't get fired until there, the, uh, Ahmad was, was running toward this guy and there was an imminent, you know, uh, altercation ensuing. Now, if their account of this is true, even just remotely true, that they were going off of a description and reacting to a, a 911 call or something like that, and it, that could be total bullshit. Uh, I'm not discounting that at all. It could totally be bullshit. It could just be what they're saying. But it, it seems to line up with the video make more sense with the video than uh, this other narrative that that people are perpetuating. But if what they're saying is true, right off the bat, that negates any chance of murder one because it wasn't premeditated. This was, uh, at best, murder two. And then they start to struggle, and they're fighting over the gun. And punches are being thrown, and it's a struggle, and the gun goes off two more times. Now, it's impossible to tell if the gun went off intentionally or if it was just a result of the struggle. You don't know that. So, you know, you can't even really get murder two out of this. If you take a step back and look at just look at this soberly, and I know that's going to be hard for a lot of people, murder two might even be hard to prove here. And uh, manslaughter might be the best thing that you're going to get. Now, if it turns out that their their account of this, that they were reacting to a, a police report or a 911 call or something, that it comes out that that's complete bullshit, well, then you got these guys dead to rights. You at least have murder two, it, maybe even murder one. I, I'd put that back on the table. And I don't think you can claim self-defense here if you're the one instigating the altercation. I mean, if you you block a guy's path and point a gun at him, and then he reacts to that by by coming at you, I don't think you get to claim self defense because you you feared for your life at that point. You put yourself in that situation. This this whole thing was completely avoidable. And it, you know, if he if uh, Arbery had run in a different direction and they had shot him, or if they just rolled up on him and and shot him uh, for no reason, obviously you'd have these guys dead to rights. 
but it should be pretty easy as, as more stuff comes out. As we, you know, if there's a 911 call or some sort of police report filed, it should be pretty easy to disprove or prove whether or not their story has any merit. You know, look, I, I don't I don't even know what to believe at this point. I know what I saw and I know what the reporting that I've read. The, the problem is we have such a dishonest press with such a clear agenda. And we've been down this road before the whole hands up, don't shoot thing. The whole Covington kids incident where they took a, a little portion of a video and they ran with this bullshit narrative that was not just uh, a, like a little misleading like they're doing now. It was a hundred percent wrong. It was the exact opposite of what they were telling you is what was going on. Now, I don't think that's what's happening here, but they are certainly being misleading and stoking some serious ra racial tensions here. You don't have to do that. Just report what actually happened. And then it, if people get outraged based off of that, people get outraged. But you don't have to embellish to take that video and then descriptions like, Ahmed Arvery, a fit athlete, was just out jogging at his home uh, near his home on a Sunday afternoon when two white supremacists saw him, got, in the, got their guns, got in a truck, chased him down, pulled up next to him, shot him at least two times, and killed him right there on the spot. That's clearly not exactly what happened. It is a distortion of the truth. It is designed to get a rise out of people, to stoke these racial tensions. It's so irresponsible. And, I mean, what happened here is bad enough. You don't have to embellish it like this. You don't have to do that. Stop doing that. You're making everything worse. You can, you can report on this story. You can show the video. And you can allow people to make whatever... Uh, judgments they want based on that video. Maybe you disagree with my interpretation of this. That's fine. That's fine. And what happened here is terrible. But come on, man. That is not an accurate description. And this is just, this is exactly like the hands up, don't shoot thing, except now we have video of it. Now, I don't know if there's more video of this that if we see it, we'll prove that, uh, this this white supremacist narrative or maybe some more details will come out or something but i mean come on dude come on this is just so dishonest and so unnecessary like this is this is a tragic event it did not have to happen it was avoidable on on just about every level you can imagine but watch the video what happened here was not two people rolling up on a guy just jogging down the street and shooting him there on the spot that's not what happened. They didn't just start shooting him immediately. There was there was yelling. There were there were words exchanged, and then this guy make, makes a makes a play for the guy's shotgun, and the shooting begins. So clearly, they weren't just rolling up on him shooting. You know, maybe you know. I don't know what they were saying. They're claiming that they were saying that we want to talk to you and stop. You know, whatever. Which, I mean. Making a citizen's arrest here is just so fucking stupid. What are these guys doing? What are they thinking? I, I mean, okay, even if the even if this kid did everything that they thought they did, even if he did, if he was the the one burglarizing houses, you don't make a citizen's arrest in this case. He's not posing an immediate threat to anybody. He's minding his own fucking business. He's jogging down the street, and you don't even know if this is the guy. 
he had a white shirt on. Okay, there's nobody else in the world jogging down the street wearing a white shirt now, is there? But even if he was the guy, you don't have to do this. You're grabbing your guns and blocking the Who the fuck do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Just call the cops and say, hey, you know, I hear you're looking for this guy. I just saw somebody fitting his description jogging down the street. You might want to check it out. Uh, How hard is that? Uh, A little burglary. Uh, Guys, what is he doing? I don't know. Stealing like Amazon packages off of people's doorstep? Come on, man. Citizen's arrest is for like, it's a last resort. Like you just saw this guy shoot up a fucking school or something and he's running down the street with his gun and there's no cops around and, and he's posing an immediate threat to people and there's and you think that you can do something to protect everybody else in society and you have your gun and you're going to stop this guy and you're willing to do that. Uh, okay, maybe then try a citizen's arrest. But for somebody who's uh, allegedly burglarizing places, I mean, come on, this is just ridiculous. You're not, you're no fucking cop. Just mind your own business. Uh, the thing is, though, even if they were to call the cops, it's like, is that really going to have a better outcome here? I mean, the cops don't have the best track record either with uh, young black guys running around the neighborhood, do they? Be uh, fitting the description of somebody committing crimes. Yes, I mean, they're, they're, his, this, this kid's chances of being shot by the cops were probably just as good as being shot by these two, uh, this former cop and his son. So even if you say call the cops, it's like, yeah, you probably should. I, I wouldn't recommend doing what these guys did at all. But then, you know, the, what are the cops going to do to this kid? But the reporting on this, I mean, God damn, the reporting on this is irresponsible. Who knows what's going to happen now? How many more additional lives are at risk if, if people start rioting over this because they hear that they hear that narrative? And maybe, you know, people would, would watch that and come to the, the, the same conclusion. But I mean, I, I'm looking at this soberly. I don't have a dog in this fight. I, I'm just going based on what I see on that camera. And it's not matching up with these narratives. It seems to me like this is just some fucking ex-cop who thought he was fucking Chuck Norris or whatever. And, and thinks that he's going to go save the day. And things got away from him. They weren't expecting this guy to to put up a fight or whatever. Maybe they were. You know, maybe they were like, "Give me a reason. I want to kill somebody today." I I don't know. But it it, it seems to me that it's far more likely that this is just a, a two idiots doing something that they shouldn't have been doing, trying to take matters into their own hands. And you can see how quickly these things can spin out of control. They probably expected this guy to just fucking stop. And submit. They didn't expect him to to just charge at this guy with a shotgun, which bold move, man. Bold move. And it makes me wonder what happened before this video started. Because I mean, me personally, I mean, I'm not one that just fucking submits to people. It just takes orders and I'm just gonna oh, okay, you said you want to detain me, so I'm gonna go with you. No. But I mean, I'm not charging at a guy with a shotgun. Unless I have no other options. And there were clearly other directions that this guy could have run. Like, I'm running into the woods, if it's me. All right. And I, I can outrun these fucking fat slobs, too. So, and I, I, I mean, this guy's fit. He's 25. He used to play football, I think. I, I'm not charging a guy with a shotgun unless it's a last resort. Because, I mean, I don't know what you're expecting to happen. 
even if you do take out to win that battle, there's still another guy in the pickup truck with another gun. So I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe he felt like that he was cornered, and this was the last. That, like if they had been fucking with him before this and been making threats, and and maybe he thought that this was the only chance, and it was like put up or or die. Like I'm gonna die anyway. I might as well go out with you know fighting. Which I get that, but any fight that you can avoid is a fight that you win. And, uh, man, if it were me, I'm running the other direction. I'm running somewhere pickup trucks can't go. But it's hard to to know what to believe. Like, who do you look to uh, other than this video? I mean, you can watch the video, thank God, and you can draw your own conclusions. But, again, this was only part of the video. So we don't know what these guys were doing to this poor kid before then. That there's a chance that they were blocking his path like three or four times before that. And and they drove him into this like almost like a suicide mission. Or maybe there's nothing before that. Maybe that was the beginning of the tape. I, I you know, we, we don't have everything. Which is very frustrating, by the way. But man, this is uh like I don't know what I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> you got you got a corrupt government cops, you've got a corrupt media. And they can, and the and the media is going to whip people up into a frenzy over this. If you're reading articles on this, or you're you're just like everyone on Twitter, all these blue check marks on Twitter are are, are pushing the same narrative. I, I just don't see that here. I see a potential situation that they can use to push their uh, America's full of white supremacist hunting black people narrative. Here, here we go. Here's video of a guy being shot, like they've done dozens of times before. And you can certainly describe it in a way that makes it sound like that. But if you actually watch what happens, yeah, I mean, I'm not condoning what happened. It was terrible. It was avoidable. There's no excuse for this. And these guys should definitely go to prison for something. I I just think murder is going to be hard to prove. And my fear is that they're going to go for murder one and that that whole this whole narrative is going to fall apart and these guys get off scot-free. Because you had overzealous prosecutors or something trying to make a statement. But they, they deserve to be in prison for what they did. It just, I, I don't think it was premeditated murder. I, I, I don't see anything yet to suggest that. And you can be outraged that the cops were, were, there's definitely some shady stuff going on with the cops. And they're not arresting these guys because he's a former cop. And I'm sure that played a lot into this guy thinking that he could do this. Block the road and point a gun at somebody. So be outraged about that. But that's, a, you know, that is not white supremacists running amok, hunting down black people. That's your government police force being corrupt and screwing stuff up. So direct your protest and your anger where it belongs at government and let's let's stop this this whole thing about uh, white people hunting black people down in the street. There's no excuse to describe it the way that I, I just read, because that's not that's not accurate either. And you're doing a lot of damage to society, uh, pushing this this kind of bullshit narrative. The idea that people are going to start rioting over this and then destroy other people's property, other businesses. Because it took too long to arrest them. It's just like, can we, can, we just not, can we just not do this? Can we not automatically assume that every time a, a white guy kills a black guy, that it's white supremacy? 
I mean, I don't know anything about these guys. They could be white supremacists, I suppose. It just always seems like it's assumed. Every time that a, a white guy kills a black guy, up oh, it's white supremacists, and this is racism, and this just proves everything. And then, you know, it would also be nice if, uh, feel free to assume that the black guy taking a jog through your neighborhood is not armed and dangerous and is not the guy committing the burglary from a week ago. That would be nice. And if the media can can stop uh, over-sensationalizing these types of, of things and uh, framing them in a way that stokes these racial tensions that they know can cause real and immediate uh, damage to, to the rest of the country and, and put other people's lives at stake, that would be nice too. Like the rioting, at, at least direct your riots where they belong. These people are going to go destroy random people's property, their businesses. They're going to loot their businesses that had nothing to do with any of this instead of directing their anger where it belongs. I don't know. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot that bugs me. I'm sure more is going to come out over the next couple of days, but just a just a real tragic thing. And uh, man, I I wish it didn't happen. Anyway, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Don't forget to download and subscribe and share the show with your friends. If you liked what you heard, feel free to give me a rating on iTunes, five stars, if you think the show is worth it. And follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back with a brand new episode for you. Until then, you know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.